Hi there, thanks for tuning in to another Wednesday of Project 25. Today's guest is Julian Balbontin. She's a 29-year-old graphic designer, illustrator, and art director at Continue, a creative content outlet specialized in entertainment and video games in Toronto. But beyond her professional titles, Julian is a good friend, has a distinct laugh, and a pleasant demeanor. She is curious, confident, but when she's not feeling it, she'll communicate well. These are her words. I'll give it to you straight while deeply considering your feelings. How about that? <laughs> Join me on this episode as we discuss the importance of separating our self-worth from work, which is something that resonates with a lot of us, especially after the pandemic. Project 25 was born out of the obsession that we have of figuring things out. Honestly, being 25 is weird because we either pursue certain goals without questioning if they're what we truly want, or we're not sure what direction to follow, and that leaves us with a lot of uncertainty. I'm Andrea Juarez, I'm 25, and I decided to ask my family members, friends, and people I admire about their experiences being 25, what they did, what were their beliefs, what they've learned, and what's their advice for the new generation of 20-somethings. There is a lot to live and learn, and I believe that by listening to others, we can reflect and learn a little bit more about ourselves and think about what we want for our present and for our future. Thank you very much for joining me, Julian. I'm very happy to have you. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. It's a Friday currently during this recording, but it's always good to, you know, start off with a conversation like this. Definitely. It's Friday morning, right? Well, I guess it's a little bit later for you. It's 11 yeah. in Toronto. It's 9 in Calgary, 9-ish. But <laughs> yeah, thank you for joining me today. I'm very excited about our conversation. I wanted to start off asking, what did you do when you were 25? So what did you study or where did you work? What right. were your hobbies or interests? Okay, so when I was 25, at this point, I had studied art and art history. I was in a joint program with U of T Mississauga and Sheridan College, where I specialized in drawing and design. Also, while I was 25, I was working at a social media agency as a graphic designer and content creator. In my free time, I spent a lot of like working out, hanging out with my friends, going to different places just to like sketch and draw. And I tried a lot of different things artistically. But on my free time, too, I was playing video games and going to concerts. That's so cool. So you were living the life. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. I was starting to live my life, I yeah. think. Because also when I was 25, I feel like that was like a pivotal moment for me because I was starting to get out of a fog. My mother had passed away from pancreatic cancer when I was around 23, and I kind of had to rediscover my purpose. I like worked really hard in school and I was really work driven because like I always wanted for her to have a better life. And I just wanted her to be extremely proud of me. And there was a lot of that I would do for work. And truly a lot of my worth at that time was mostly through my like professional achievements. So after she passed away, I kind of wandered around because I kind of lost my purpose. 
I didn't even draw as much, which was like unheard of for me because I didn't want to obsess or like depend on drawing to harbor my feelings. So I think as a 25 year old, like I was starting to put things together, was trying to piece things together as well. I think a lot was starting to become clearer that I wanted to do things for me and that I was worth like working for. So at 25, I was downtown living with my roommate. I was on my own for the first time. So a lot of things were getting like figured out, even things just like, what do I eat? Those kind of things. What do I cook? What do I even like doing? I think I was figuring a lot about myself at that time. So it's like a very important time for me to think about. Yeah, I'm sorry about your mom, Julian. Oh, no And now that you were saying that you were figuring things out when you were 25, you were trying to find your purpose. So what did you think back then? Your vision of the world had changed a little bit, right? Right. What did you think? Or did you follow like a certain religion or did you have a, a certain belief now after the circumstances that led you to have a change of mind? I think after those circumstances, I think it was just like trying to understand what grieving was and that there is no right or wrong way to grieve. The thing about death is people get really funny around it. Some people don't want to talk about it at all. Some people give unsolicited advice. And I feel like it brings out a lot of different things in people. But I think what I learned from that is I learned a lot about, you know, navigating motive emotionally and around the relationships I had with people at that time to be like, oh, this is how they grieve or this is how it has nothing to do with how hurtful it is towards me or the situation. This is just how they're handling it. And like, it's my responsibility or I believed it was my responsibility to respond to that the way that was healthy for me. So it was either just obviously around death, there's a lot of belief with religion and uh, things such as that. I always believed I was more of just like spiritual natured person. And my mother really respected that about me. She was a Catholic and she was like in church every week. And even when I wasn't, she did not think anything less of me or we didn't have any tension there. She wanted me to get to religion on my own terms. And so I, I've always respected that about her because she was like, I don't want to force you into it because I want you to. I want you to have that relationship with religion independently. So. That being said, I'm just like mostly a spiritual person, very open-minded to everything and most things. So yeah, that's that's mostly where my headspace was at that time and to this day. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it's kind of nice that she led you to your own thing and yeah. not force you because I don't know, like, are you, you're a Filipino? Yes. Yeah, so I am Mexican. So we have like kind of like the same culture yeah. about Catholicism, I find. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, even in Mexico too, like you're a kid and you're like one month old and you're already like a Baptist. And, <laughs> and, it's like, and it's like, I didn't choose this. Yeah. But okay. <laughs> yeah, I did like, I did my first communion and everything. And yeah. then as I got older, didn't do Sunday school. It just wasn't like in my interest and my mother was totally fine with that yeah Thankfully. that's awesome yeah. yeah 
<laughs> so Julian, you were just talking about some of the learning that you did like throughout mm-hmm. the years, like in terms of like grief and respecting other people's beliefs. But also I wanted to ask you from when you were 25 to this day, what has mm. changed in the world, in yourself, in your environment? Yeah. So when it comes to the world, the pandemic changed a lot of how I think and what's important to me. It made me a lot more serious about the people who need support and what it takes to be heard or get things done. I think my idea around the world has really zoomed out from when I was 25 where once I was trying to figure out things within myself and only myself and my little circle of people, I now think look at things in a bigger picture. And I feel like ever since doing that, I have such a health, like a much more healthier relationship with my mind, my body, the people around me and like the different communities that I'm involved with. When you say like you now have like a broader view, like can you elaborate a little bit? Before, it would be things like things that I would think about the way I had responded to someone earlier that day, or I'm just like, oh, I should have said this or this and that. And then bigger picture, we are still friends. They don't think anything of me. Just like examples like that, but it can go from the environment to the things you say to your friends. So different like zoom out of What is the bigger picture at the end of the day? What is happening? And you'll find that a lot of the times it's like at the end of the day, it was fine. What you did was fine. (laughs) Yeah. So like thinking about the impact. Yes. Yes. I was a lot like a lot of the things I was worried about is like, if I wore this shirt to this thing, like what do people think of me? And just very like very understanding younger thought. and like. I still have them to this day every now and then, but then I have to like remind myself, did it matter? (laughs) Is anyone, is anyone really looking at my shirt? Probably not. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let's not prep. No, but yeah, I think it's very common though. Like we're always, especially at this age, I think it's normal. And even younger, 18, 17, I was really thinking about like, oh, what will people say or whatever. But (laughs) the funny thing is, and I've said this on this podcast too, is that everyone is thinking the same thing. So like everyone is too focused (laughs) on themselves that they're not actually paying attention to the others. So it's kind of funny that everyone has the same concerns, but at the same time, thinking about themselves, not about you. But (laughs) little cycle. Yeah, it's a funny cycle. (laughs) Yeah. So, Julian, I wanted to ask you now, what do you do and what are your beliefs? I do what I want to. Like, I've grown into a person who fulfills my curiosities. If I'm wondering, like, what part of the city, like, this part of the city looks like, I'll figure it out. If I feel like, you know, suddenly collaging or reaching out to an older friend, like, I'll do it. I used to hold myself back a lot. And second guessing a lot of things just because of that cycle that we we're just talking about. But I don't do that anymore. I'm happy to say that I'm continuously drawing and designing. I'm finding different ways to like create things and express myself. And I also hang out with my friends and I still play video games. So I'm really happy that it's like consistent. I've gone a lot more into cooking and just like really into organizational tools and stuff like that. Um, just like for convenient storage and like, it's just, I love seeing organized spaces. 
But when it, when it comes to my own value and like my work, that way work ethics, I have definitely become more than my professional accomplishments and my work experience. I've been taught boundaries and like really solidified my definition of how much of myself I want to pour into work. I understand when to take it easy and like how to communicate what's going on and setting time for myself in and out of work. I believe in abundance and inclusivity in such a competitive world and uplifting others along with yourself when you can. I love that. I love Mm -hmm. that. And I agree. (laughs) Yeah. And Julian, I wanted to ask you as well, what has been your biggest challenge and how do you deal with it or how did you dealt with it? So I think my lack of self-esteem was one of the biggest challenges I had for a while. Like it festered in many different ways and my appearance, the relationships that like I kept around me, even my sleeping patterns. It used to be this like weird secret hobby I had where I would just nitpick at myself, like physically and the conversations that I happened that had happened throughout the day. So dealing with that took a lot of time, experience and patience. I think that's tricky. That's one of the trickiest things about self-esteem is because like the things that worked for me are not necessarily going to work for someone else. And I also don't wish that sort of trauma onto somebody else either. The way I deal with it is just like having patience and staying accountable with myself. I observe what happened, how I'm going to face it, and like how I'm going to move forward. I think it was also just recognizing that my self-esteem isn't going to be the same every day. And that's totally fine. Yeah, I think that really helped. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. We can't always be this like yassified version of ourselves all the time. We have our ups and downs and that's okay too. So yeah, thanks so much for saying that. Sorry, go ahead. Like we wouldn't have our ups if we didn't have our downs, right? So you just have to accept all of them as much as they suck. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) And Julianne, Can you share about a time in which you succeeded and what happened and what did you do? Sure. So I can't think of like a particular time that I've succeeded, not because I don't think of the things I do as not a success, but I think a lot of different things, different scales of success. Like I think messaging my friends when I thought of them is a success and like having breakfast at the right time is a success and Also, like having somewhere I'm excited to go home to, having an illustration published and like places that I'm happy to work at are like a list among successes, too. I love that. Thank you for sharing. (laughs) And can you share a time in which you failed, whatever that means for you? So (laughs) what happened? How did you handle the situation? And what did you learn? So I think that failures come in the different scales, much like success does too. But I think a particular time, especially when I was around 25, where I failed was probably when a client wasn't happy with a campaign that I was in charge of. And I was on calls like after work, trying different things to fix it and finding different solutions. And it just wasn't happening. But like the thing is, is I don't think of the campaign as a failure or anything that I did was a failure. But the way I 
let it impact me was somewhat of a failure because I couldn't sleep well that night. And like, I lost my appetite the next day. It was still making me doubt my own abilities. I just wasn't myself. I feel like whenever I fail or feel like I'm failing, it's just not me. So what I took away from that was that after everything settled, after I got my appetite back and everything, I was just like, I never freaked out about myself the way I freaked out about that client. And I I was like, that's kind of a problem. Like, I think I should be freaking out about myself because this is my body. This is like my person. I should be just as concerned about myself than I would a client. So I started thinking of myself as a client in a way. And I think that really helped me reframe everything because I was just like, oh, I can't do this. Like, Julian will be upset. And I don't want to upset her. So she's my favorite client. So I think that really wrapped my mind around different things. That's amazing, especially <laughs> being in the field of work that you're in, right? Yeah. Not taking things personally is huge. Yeah, it's a huge it difference. is. It is true that that's one of the things that like, I feel like that's the hardest thing to learn is that it's not you. It's not you personally. Almost never. Yeah, like, I don't know if someone didn't like the design is because they have their own lived experiences and, right. I don't know, level of knowledge, maybe they don't know much about design or, yeah, like, we shouldn't take that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I, was, yeah. and I was like, the only thing I can control there, because I can't control what people like, I can't control the way they perceive things. We can communicate it, like, mutually. However, I can't force you to like anything. The only thing I can really control there is how I take it and like what happens to me after the work is done. So that's when I failed because I failed to take care of myself properly afterwards, but it also opened my eyes a lot. Yeah. And at the time, you didn't know better, right? So now that you that's know right. better, you can. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And Julian. I wanted to ask you, what has motivated you or what motivates you? What motivates me are the people around me, my friends, family, even strangers or like new people that I meet. Going through life together with good people around me motivates me because the better I can take care of myself, the better off I am helping and taking care of others. So I keep myself healthy in a lot of ways because at some point, Someone I love will depend on me and I want to be ready for it. But the same for myself too. So I want to be ready when I need me too. I'm motivated by the idea that I'm still doing things that will make my mother proud, even though she isn't with us anymore. And that I hope I make the people who just know me proud too. I motivate myself because I just, I like proving myself wrong very often <laughs> and I like surprising myself. So I think. I keep myself motivated too. When you say you want to prove yourself wrong, do you mean it in a way that there's like a little boy saying like, oh no, that's I right. can't do it. And then like, bam. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. I spend like the whole time fighting with that little voice. But now that I've acknowledged it and I know I can take it, <laughs> I'm like, we'll do anything. It's fine. Anything is possible. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Julian, now that we're actually talking about, like you were just saying that you are still doing the things that 
you did back then in order to make your mom proud and the people around you proud. So what are your goals or plans for the future? For the future, right now, I happily live in a basement apartment where the rent is decent in Toronto and I have good living arrangements with my roommate and landlord. But it would be nice to live above ground at some point. I'm not. I'm in no rush, but at some point, that would be great. I've also been doing a lot of mentoring lately. And so one of my goals there is to continue doing it. I think helping people who are at the same mindset that I was at when I was younger is really rewarding. And I'm constantly learning about myself through those conversations too. And I, I want to reunite with my family in the Philippines, see Asia again at some point. I really miss it. There are a lot of places that I haven't seen or been to as an adult. And I would love to check that out now. Wow. Uh, yeah. Did you live there as a kid? No, I would visit during the summer. Okay. Yeah. So I'd visit during the summers like almost like every three or four-ish years. Oh, wow. So I, I do have a pretty close relationship with my family there. But yeah, I haven't seen them in so long. Especially with COVID, hey? That's right. But that sounds really good. Like, that's like an amazing plan. <laughs> yeah. And Julian, this is a new question that I added recently. If you could go back to when you were 25, would you yes. change anything or make things different? I think I wish it, I didn't spend so much time nitpicking at myself internally and externally. But I understand now that it was important for me to do to become the person I am today. That's mostly it. Like I got in my own way a lot in the past, but there isn't much that I would have necessarily done differently. The advice I have for just like 20 somethings in general is to think of your health first because you only get one body and listen to your body when it's tired and start to observe what gives you energy and what gives what drains you. And another thing is when like life is moving extra fast. I think it's, I think it would be really important to document something, whether it's in a journal, a photo, or like something you can just refer to. Even go on this podcast and refer to it just to see the progress you've made. Thank you so much. Is there any additional advice that you have or is there anything that you'd like to share that you think it's important and I didn't ask? Sure. I think it's important for everyone who can. I understand there's like different uh, priorities and different financial situations to do some part in the community where you can. Volunteer work goes a really, really long way for people in need. And also my Instagram, <laughs> um, it's at Valvontino. So B-A-L-B-O-N-T-I-N-0. And you can come along with this journey with me. I do a lot of like creative projects and volunteer initiatives. So yeah, keep in tune for that too. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'll post your Instagram on the episode description as well. Amazing. And on the article too, so people can like follow you. You're radiate. So I just really enjoyed our conversation too. So me too. me too. I think it's so nice that you're doing this. I've been reading the other ones too, and it's so interesting. Because I'm like, whoa, what if I did this podcast when I'm like 48? What does that look like? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Right. And even me, like, because I am 25, 
So yeah. I'm like, when I'm 26 or like when I'm yeah. 30, if I'm still, you know, well, when I'm 30, I'm going to think back. And I was like, wow, I did that at 25. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I started this podcast when I was 25. You can so, think about that. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe I'll start doing one when I'm 50. And like <laughs> 75. I think that's great. <laughs> I think that's great. But yeah, that's cool. That's yeah. pretty yeah, well, thank you very much, Julian, for your time and for your honesty and yeah, for sharing your experiences with me and the people who listen to this podcast. So thank you for that. No problem. That makes me so happy. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the episode or you think it will be helpful for someone, feel free to share. You can also find the written stories at medium.com slash project25. If you know someone who would like to share their experience being 25, you can send me a message at the email that's on the episode description or through our social media channels, which are also listed on the episode description. Thank you for your time. I hope you have a wonderful day. I'll see you later. Bye-bye.